Welcome to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. We appreciate you uh, joining us again this week. We are about to dive into the latest um, Marvel Cinematic Universe series offered by Disney Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, or should, spoiler alert, we now call Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Um, So we'll be discussing that tonight in our episode titled buddy caps so uh thank you for joining us we're going to get into that in just a minute but guys before um before we get too deep into the story itself uh some mcu adjacent material since the last time we recorded an episode um the marvel has released a trailer for one of their upcoming uh solo films a debut film for a character um the film shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh looks like a standard does not really seem like a fair word to use, but like kind of a, you know, like like a martial arts genre, uh, film, I guess you could say. Um, did you guys, I mean, I'm just going to assume here because I'm pretty sure, you know, we, we talk pretty regularly outside of recording days that you guys have seen the trailer, uh, any, any simple or deeper or in the, in the middle, uh, (laughs) thoughts on, on the trailer you've seen, especially since we've been gearing up to talk about mortal Kombat. I mean, it's kind of sort of like a flavor appetizer, uh, before that. So what did, what did you guys think? Um, my, mine's very simple. I, I know nothing about it. And it looked, it looked good. It looked cool. I just, I have no take on it because I have no attachment to the property and, you know, no understanding of really what's, what's going on with it. So I think maybe it, it almost seemed to me like in watching it, like one of the least MCU-ish trailers. And I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly why that it is in my mind if, if, if you know but um somehow it seemed a little bit different i mean not in a, a good or a bad way um and it may just be more connected to me not really being familiar with it so uh but yeah i'm looking forward to it tim yeah a very very similar thoughts yeah i don't know anything about and i mean granted i, I feel like before all these marvel films even as a kid, when I did enjoy comics, it was very, it was just a few, you know, it was like Spider-Man, you know, your, your, your kind of tentpole stuff like Spider-Man, X-Men, you know, Batman, maybe. I mean, it was very limited. So I, I feel like my knowledge of, of this, this part of the Marvel universe is non-existent. And so the trailer on its own, I was, I was hooked. I was really intrigued, really. I'm, I'm already excited about, maybe there could be in the, a little bit less Aquafina, nothing against Aquafina, but it was great. I, I'm I'm really really excited about it. And like yeah, Jared said, I'm I'm excited that I feel like you know early on the first few kind of phases or whatever it had a very there was a very similar or you got a certain feel for Marvel films that I love now with the kind of the wet the the increasingly large I don't know just you know TV shows from all the branches that are extending out you can kind of do new and different, interesting things. And I like how it, it, yeah, it feels different, but also like, you know, just part of, part of the universe. I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I like the idea that this comes along at the time it does. I mean, because, you know, you've got that sort of, um, I think the unofficial term for it is like the infinity saga or whatever, you know, they did pretty much Iron Man all the way through Endgame, And, Mm -hmm. and, 
and now it seems like now that they've kind of done that victory lap and and mm-hmm. and and had that massive dunk of 23 films it's Gosh, it's like yeah. they're, they're like now we're just gonna do what we want and mm-hmm. like and yeah. you know you and and so it seems like they're branching out they're 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 making braver choices it yeah. seems i mean i mean mm-hmm. granted you could argue they've made brave choices before i mean the, the the first thing that came to mind, just like Jared said, like, I know nothing about this material. So and the last time I was this ignorant on Marvel material was Guardians of the Galaxy. And and that was a big roll of the dice, too, at the time, because it was a completely unproven commodity. And so that paid off really well. Yeah. And um, here. You know, you got a great, great martial arts action. I mean, you know, a good martial arts movie, which I guess we'll talk about next week. If you make a good martial arts movie, it, you know, covers a multitude of sins. Um, (laughs) If you don't, then, well, then tune in next week. But um, (laughs) we... You know, uh, it, it's it's an interesting. Uh, there, there's some there's some interesting elements to it. Um, I have heard that uh, the Mandarin, which was like referenced in in the Iron Man franchises, uh, maybe making a return. Like the last the last they sort of dealt with that character. Historically, he was one of Iron Man's like biggest villains, from what I hear. Um, but the last we saw of him was sort of this this fake out where Ben Kingsley was set to play him but really he was just an actor pretending to be him or something like that in iron man 3 um and so now you know there is a there are whispers that that the true mandarin's going to show up and that was always kind of a big deal villain and 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 those and those franchises and uh, yeah i mean the action looks great i'm very interested to see how it plays out but yeah. to mention to mention you know marvel's upcoming films and and properties i mean you know you look at shang chi which is just straight up martial arts film you know we've talked about wandavision already and how niche and left field that show was um we're going to get another doctor strange movie which i know is probably going to be weird and then we also have uh another one that i know even less about which is the eternals uh coming out later this year which will be directed by um the current Best Director Academy Award holder and Best Film Director Chloe Zhao, um, who just won uh, at the Academy Awards this this past week. So um, for Nomadland, so uh, some some exciting stuff there. Um, since we since we've talked about a couple of the movies, it was fun to fun um, neat to see that Daniel Kaluuya did win Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, a previous film that we covered in, in past episodes. Um, and it also, it also won another film. I, th- I want to say best original screenplay. I think it was a screenplay Oscar. One of them. I, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, it walked away, I think with two, two awards. So, uh, good for them. Um, hmm. it's an excellent film and, um, it's, it's available for download now too. Uh, it's no longer on HBO max. I don't think, but, uh, if you guys never did get around to that, it's, it's certainly worth it now. Anyway, um, other than that, I don't know if you guys read or watched the Oscars, but it was weird. Uh, it, was, it was the, it was the overall takeaway. I think seemed to, to come from, from all that. Um, that's what reminded me. Okay. I was trying to think that was another movie we talked about that did reasonably well. And I couldn't remember it was Ma Rainey's black bottom that, that, that also, um, did, did all right. Uh, in, in a couple of areas, although it seemed 
would seem to be that the the programming I've been reading about this was so weird. I don't know if you guys watched or saw a clip, but for like one of the first times in history, they did not announce best picture as the final mm-hmm. award of the night. They instead put best actress and best actor after it. And, um, you know, all, all the booking Jared would, would suggest that right. they were, um, setting up to have this big emotional cathartic moment of Chadwick Boseman posthumously yep. winning uh, Best Actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and and to borrow another wrestling term, where did they swerve us on that? Um, and what I've <laughs> what I've since learned is that you know the producers set up the structure of the show, and the producers do not know who is winning. Uh, okay. So only the accountants, or the, I guess the you know the people who vote or whatever, they're the only people in the building who know who are winning. So they they blocked that show without knowing who was going to win that award. And they uh, probably they probably took a calculated risk. They probably yeah. there was probably a conversation between a couple of them where they're like, Chadwick's going to win, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sure. I mean, there's like a slight chance he won't, but like we can do this with a relative amount of security that that's going to happen. Right. I, I feel like there was probably some sort of conversation like they that. Felt like it was a safe bet probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not only did he not win, but Anthony Hopkins won. who wasn't even there right. and, and was not even there via satellite either. So like, yeah. Um, and bless it all. Joaquin Phoenix was the one presenting the award who, <laughs> who, who I adore as an actor, but he, as a human, he's, he's, or at least, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. I don't know if he has this sort of Andy Kaufman public persona or if this is just really like how he is in real life, but incredibly painfully socially awkward and, and, and in settings like this, which I can't blame him. I probably would be to an extent too, um, for something as weird as the Oscars. And so he was just like, Oh, well, uh, he's not here. Good night, everybody. I'm like, that's it. So um, imagine uh, the feeling that you had from watching this play out that way. That's basically what happened with Game of Thrones fans over the course of eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You you build all the way up to this. And then there's a there's a swerve and they subvert your expectations by having a lot of things not actually mean anything. And then they're just like, okay, all right. Good night. (laughs) Good night. That's perfect. Wow. Later. Man, that is. uh, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I love that. I love watching. I, I, I didn't even know Tim had watched Game of Thrones, but I like being able to watch his reaction here and see like. Yes. Oh yes. my God. Someone else gets it. Someone <laughs> understands that experience. <laughs> oh yeah. What a letdown. <laughs> oh man. Wow. 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 Well, it was. <laughs> I, I. I wouldn't call it a night to remember, but but it was a night um, that happened. So, um, <laughs> nevertheless, here we are. Uh, I suppose it's time to move along to the main course for the evening. Uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is available on Disney+. Plus. It is the second um, episodic series that the MCU has released on Disney+, Plus. uh, in addition to WandaVision. Um, It's directed by Carrie Scogland. And uh, currently, uh, at least at the time of my note-taking, it has pretty favorable reviews. Rotten Tomatoes critics give it an 87%. And it's 
excuse me, its users give it a 74%. Um, IMDB is pretty reflective of the user scores of 7.7. Uh, pretty rich cast, which I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll get into uh, tonight when we talk about some of the characters and interactions and themes and stuff. Uh, a fun fact, uh, since there's no way to really quantify um, how how profitable this this is, since it's one really recent and two, you know the way they do streaming services, it's a bit different than the box office. It is worth noting that Disney Plus said that their premiere episode was the highest viewed premiere uh, in Disney Plus history to date. That includes both series of The Mandalorian, um, WandaVision. And every other series they've released so far, which is which is not some exhaustive list, but it's not without some heavy hitters, though. Um, I, I was surprised that it outdid The Mandalorian, uh, yeah. to be honest, because uh, because that really, thanks to Baby Yoda, I think, you know, became this like cultural phenomenon. And so when that second season hit, I was just assuming it was, you know, everybody was in on that. So for for Falcon and Winter Soldier to outdo that, this first episode is, is really impressive. Um, so yeah, not much in the way of accolades yet either. Cause the season just wraps. Um, however, it has been nominated already for two MTV movie awards, uh, MTV movie and TV awards, I guess. Um, Anthony Mackie was, uh, the, 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 uh, the awards ceremony is, is yet to occur. I think it's, it's scheduled for May 16th. So Anthony Mackie has been nominated for best hero. And of course, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are nominated for best duo. Um, I have no idea who they're up against, but I would have a hard time imagining a, a better duo uh, Kong, Kong and Kong and Godzilla <laughs> <laughs> oh my I'm about to see if I can look it up right now to see if they've got the uh, the um, if they've been announced yet let's see um, do you guys want to talk at all about um, about Bucky and Sam's just their, their chemistry I mean you know this goes all the way back to I guess the Civil War. They didn't really yeah. spend a lot of time together in Winter Soldier. So, so what do you guys think, Jared? What do you guys think about, um, you know, just Mackie and and Stan's uh, chemistry on screen together? Um, I you know back when Civil uh, Civil War came out, you know, we we talked at the time of how I was immediately on board with like let's let's have a Bucky and Sam team up. Uh, you know, a Falcon and Winter Soldier team up. And um, I, I think it was, it, I think it was probably the scene. Um, it, well, there were a couple of scenes in, in Civil War where, you know, they're sitting like in the little, in the, the bug, in the beetle. And um, Bucky asks Sam if he can move his seat up, to which he just flatly tells him no. <laughs> and, and and then and then they're fighting spider-man you know they basically have lost the fight against spider-man until uh sam sort of does this little rap last minute save with red wing sort of towing spider-man away and and bucky just you know matter of factly says you couldn't have done that earlier <laughs> uh, to which to which Sam tells him he hates him. So, uh, so I, I was immediately on board with, yeah. with that chemistry there. Um, you know, and so, I, so I love getting them together in, in this show. It, you know, it turned out differently 
than what I thought it was going to be. I mean, because I think, you know, a lot of it was they were dealing with so much heavy stuff mm-hmm. that there it was more limited um, in terms of the that type of interactions that they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, in some ways, you know, I think some of the some of the side characters became some of the most interesting parts of it to me. So, so I, I'm really glad we got it. Um, and I loved their chemistry and, and all that. Um, it, it just turned out different, um, than what I expected. And I don't really, sometimes different can be different. Good. Sometimes different can be different, bad. And, and this just feels like, different, different, you know, it's like, it's still good. I still liked it, but just different from what I was kind of expecting and and hoping it would be. Hmm. Tim, what about you? (laughs) I, I'm just going to repeat everything, Jared. No, I, I, it's it's pretty, I'm pretty much exactly the same mindset. Like early on, yeah, civil war, just seeing the way they kind of interacted. I was like, they've got this great sort of chemistry. And I loved how it's like, it wasn't totally just, it wasn't just out of nowhere too. Like they both had relationships with, Captain America, yeah. differing relationships and different, you know, like complicated uh, on, on both sides, you know, and, and for them to be joined together like this and have like legitimate grievances with each other instead of just being opposed to each other just for the sake of that sort of banter. I mean, I feel like there was a real weight to what to their relationship. And um, but yeah, like like Jared said, it wasn't it, it didn't turn out exactly what I was thinking. And there was a, it felt like a lot less of that then um not a lot less but somewhat less than except they kind of got you know pulled off in different directions at times and had their own sort of like minis are you know different arcs and which is fine um but yeah so it turned out it turned out differently but i still was like i i was when i found out that they were doing this i was like oh wait is this like have they been reading my like this i mean granted it, it makes so much sense to do that but it was just like wow this is what i would have wanted to happen that was just it just felt really weird to see that that was announced like man this is exactly this is perfect so um but yeah so i think i think it was good different but but i really really am glad it happened Mm. yeah no i mean i I think anything i would say would probably just be more more the same uh you know i was excited when the show was announced um i love i love that it's these two characters who are teamed up, you know, because they have the common thread and and, and it, because so much of it, so much of what about, I love about it is kind of Steve centric. Um, and that, you know, Bucky was his anchor to who he, to, to the world that he knew. And, and then Sam was like the anchor to Mm. the world that he had to learn how to live in. Yeah. Um, and so for, and, and it's interesting too, because, that idea of how the world should be versus how the world is maybe i don't know if that's exactly it but you know you see you see that play out in the in the legacy of the shield and 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 how bucky and sam view that responsibility in the beginning and how that evolves and stuff um I was uh, I was very excited just to, yeah, like, you know, like you guys, after Civil War, I was like, man, I think I jokingly said, like, I'd love to see Lethal Weapon with, with <laughs> Sam and Bucky, you know, uh, which is kind of what we got, uh, especially when Zemo comes along. It's like Lethal, Lethal Weapon 3 with Joe Pesci, you know, in the background kind of thing. And and um, and I'm not the first or the last person to make that comparison, I know, but um, it's, it's, it's pretty dead on. And then um, there is... 
another thing is that is the unexpected. It, it's funny, like so. I don't want to spend too much time talking about other MCU properties, but WandaVision was so unexpected to me. Um, I just that the impact and that like I knew I knew that I was going to love it, you know, because I just love everything that Marvel produces right now. Um, but I didn't realize that this makes sense. I didn't realize how much better it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like I thought I was like, man, I'm going to like this show. And then it actually comes out. And I'm like, man, it's just amazing. And I'm just so surprised by how deep that show dug into uh, things like grief and, and, and loss and, and, and misery and how that affects a person. So I was recovering emotionally from, you know, it's like, it's like we'd been sucker punched as an audience, like, like, Oh, I'm going to see all these nifty TV throwback uh, genre references and I'm going to laugh and have a good time. They're little bite sized 20 minute episodes. It's going to be great. And then once it's over and I'm like wiping away the tears, (laughs) I knew, um, I, I mean, I didn't, you know, we didn't know that the show was coming, but, um, once Steve gave Sam the shield and Endgame, you know, I wasn't sure about it right away. I wasn't like team Bucky on that. There were some people who argued about whether or not that was the right call or whatever. But, but, um, I think in that very scene, which we see kind of play out over the episodes, what matters about carrying that shield is who the man is, not the power that he holds. And that's what always sets Steve apart from everybody else. And we see that that sets Sam apart in his own, uh, in his own worldview that he lives in. That was, that is, you know, Steve and Sam did not, did not have the same lived experience, but they do come out of their lived experiences with the same heart of like, I'm always going to try to do the right thing in this. And, um, so we kind of get to see part of Sam's journey in that. But um, the, the whole point that I, that I was trying to make, that here we go again, um, Stephen's time of the week to ramble on and not get to his point, um, is I thought to myself when they announced it, I was like, man, it would be really cool if they took the angle. Cool maybe isn't the right word, but the angle of the struggle of America to accept a black guy as Captain America. Um, and then they did it. And, and they, and they really did it. And and so like going into the show and they start to tease it and the teaser trailers and stuff, I'm like, Oh wow, they're going to do it. I still wasn't ready. I I, I still, I still wasn't ready for just how hard they were going to hit with some of that. Um, and it, and it was, I thought it was done really well. Um, you know, there, I think, you know, we can talk about some of the ways, maybe some things that we would have seen or done differently. Um, I, you know, I don't think the show was perfect, but I was still really, really liked it. Um, uh, yeah. So before we get into that, I, I, uh, couldn't help myself, but when you guys were talking, I decided to look up the MTV nominations just to let you guys know who, who they're <laughs> up against since these haven't been uh, done. So, uh, Anthony Mackie, who's nominated for best hero is up against uh, Gal Gadot for wonder woman, 1984. Uh, Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. Um, Tiana Paris, uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, from WandaVision, um, which I, I, I am pleasantly surprised that she got, even though that this is an MTV awards that I'm still pleasantly surprised she got recognized or something. And then Jack Quaid, Huey from the boys. 
Interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I am a, I w- another pleasant surprise. I'm like, actually, this is a this is a very interesting group of of heroes. Um, and I and for once, I've actually seen every single one of these properties. So, um, the duo, though, I think I said it was in the I kind of said that it was in the bag. Um, but they're up against the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. So, oh yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Uh, I, I think I, I think I'll be surprised if they come away with the win on that. But e- either way, that's a win-win. Either way, um, <laughs> they're also up against Borat and whoever Borat's sidekick was in his new movie, and then a, a duo from Emily in Paris, and then a duo from Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. So you know, I, I feel like Disney Plus has has the heavy hitters in that category, but who knows? So yeah. <laughs> Um, no, no, uh, announced awards yet, but a couple of nominations for them. And what's interesting, um, is there is an Emmy awards, uh, Emmy awards campaign for the Falcon and winter soldier. Um, and I just want to try to read, read this to try and make more sense of it rather than speak it, um, you know, just try to summarize it. Uh, ahead of the final episode, Marvel Studios had decided to submit the Falcon and Winter Soldier in various drama series categories for the Primetime Emmy Awards rather than in the limited series categories, which should note WandaVision was uh, submitted in the limited series uh, categories. More explained that this decision was made around the launch of the series since they felt the series is a bit more dramatic than past Marvel Studios content and being one of the first tele- studios first television series, the drama categories were appropriate for what the show is trying to tackle. Um, he added there had not yet been any consideration if Mackie and Stan would be submitted for outstanding lead actors or one also in supporting actor. Um, but what's not here and has people wondering is that since it's actually being submitted as a series, like as a drama and not a limited series, if that suggests that there might be a second season. Right. Um, Any predictions on that? Um, I will say yes. I, I don't know that it'll be, I don't know how the rules of that work. If you like, I mean, even by the end of, the series or into the season, it already had a new title, you know, That's true. so it, it had Captain America and, and the Winter Soldier. I would expect that a second season would probably even have a different title because, you know, they've got Cap 4 coming with, um, with, uh, you know, with Sam. Um, I'm guessing maybe they're, they're going to do something different. It just, it just seems like, they probably won't double dip as much with a series and a movie, but maybe they will. I don't know. But I, I think with this, you know, you've got a lot of different possibilities of where you could you could go with this where, you know, which we'll talk about later. It, John John Walker, you know, and, and sort of the I don't think you want to try to anchor a series on him. Um <laughs> Seeing I where anchor the, much to him, he doesn't seem like a very stable fellow. No, no. <laughs> but and, and considering the, like the how how fans feel about him, like eh, do do we hate him? Do we like him? Okay, is it just sort of somewhere in between? So, but I could you know I mean by the end you know I mean he and he and Bucky are are having this moment where it was almost kind of reminiscent of Sam and Cap or Sam and Bucky's moments from Civil War where it's this, at least on one side of it, like I really don't like you, but I'm willing to tolerate you um, sort of sort of attitude. So 
Um, I think yeah. we'll get some series in some form, but I don't know who all is going to be involved with it. Yeah. Tim? No, same same thing. Yeah, I, th- I like, think it's things feel open enough with Marvel and with Disney that it, it can kind of shift and be kind of malleable to where there could be different heroes kind of thrown into the mix. So, I'm, yeah, I, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have enough money and they can just do whatever they want. I mean, but, yeah. um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, not to sweep the rug, out, you know, pull the rug out from under all that, but, I mean, you know, I, yeah, it's interesting because they have announced a Captain America 4 film, which is a, which is Sam-centric as Captain America, um, and how that would play into further series. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I cer- it's certainly not the last we've seen of the characters. I mean, there were enough there were enough open threads left at the end of the series to unravel a sweater. So it's it's um and not in a bad way. I think if anything it's just it's just kind of like, hey, we can pick this story back up when when we're ready um which is great uh, and and there's multiple threads to go down like jared said the john walker um john walker story i mean you have the sharon carter thread as well whatever the world julia julia louis dreyfus is doing um yeah and then yeah, you have baron, sam baron, baron zemo we're yeah not, you have zemo yeah. You, if we don't if we don't get like a dance off between Baron Zemo <laughs> and, and the multiverse, Toby Maguire, <laughs> Spider-Man or Star-Lord that, that is a, and Star-Lord, uh, all three of them. That is a yeah. huge missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, not even forget, you know, the Dora Milaje, man. Uh, like, I mean, they just so many, they really brought a lot of characters into such a short show. Cause this was only six episodes mm-hmm. and, um, Let's see. Well, I mean, there were about an hour pieces, but six. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it and WandaVision, I guess, in their totality were pretty similar lengths. But, um, yeah, I mean, it. answer me this. The episode length, uh, or the series length, rather, just six episodes to tell the story. Do do you guys feel like that was enough? Uh, Do you think there should have been more or or even less? Uh, What do you guys think about that? I could have gone, I think, for more in some ways. I mean, um, just based on what you just said, I mean, the fact that there were so many characters in this. Um, but then, then again, at the same time, like I think about how maybe the some of the stuff with the boat was stretched out a little bit. And then I'm like, well, maybe yeah. maybe parts of it could have been trimmed back. So I don't know. I think I think really what I'm thinking about is just like, I wish there could have been more time to give Bucky and Sam Mm -hmm. some of these moments to just kind of like what we were talking about with, with civil war, because we, we get pretty quickly into uh, obviously with six episodes, you have to, we, we, we get pretty well into the crux of the, of the main conflict and and all that. So um, yeah, I could have gone for more if, depending on how they had been focused and structured. Yeah. yeah. Tim. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think more would have maybe been better. I think, and again, I'm, when I, when I say these like complaints, it's really, you know, the show, I, I really enjoyed the show a lot, but I feel like there were some, some storylines that felt a little maybe rushed or even forced that I think had, they had a little bit more time to breathe. Um, it would have been great. Like, I like just as an example, which I actually love the conversation you know, in, uh, towards the end of the season, episode five, I think that 
where, you know, Sam had started training and Bucky like apologized for thing. It, it felt like that, that conversation needed to happen, but it felt like it had skipped a step or two. You know, yeah. you didn't really hear kind of saying, it just felt like there was something in between that could have been there to kind of move it a little bit better. I don't know. I, there are a couple of things like that in the story that, um, not just that one, but in other cases too, where it felt like had there been a little bit more time to kind of really expound on things and really go into more detail. I mean, I feel like they were doing so much, but I think they pull, still pulled off pretty well, but there was so much happening, so many subplots and, I mean, just a lot of balls in the air, so to speak, that they, they handled it all really well, but I think maybe giving it a little bit more time might have been better. But, um, yeah, I would I would have liked some more time. Yeah, it's an interesting toss-up because um, there were, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the economics of, of how they, um, where they spent time and with what characters. Because um, I would have liked to see more. Um, I, I would have loved to spend a little more time in Wakanda. Um, yeah. I, I would have liked, I would have liked a little more time with, um, I would have liked a little more time with Sam's sister. Like just, yeah. just a, a little bit more of showing, showing that reality that they're living in, mm-hmm. um, that you could feel it a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, like there were, um, I think you're right, Tim, like you raise a good point that like when a lot of these, um, real you know emotional anchor moments happen they do feel kind of shortcutted a little bit i, I think yeah. of because i think of you know what we're introduced to in the beginning of the series is bucky carrying this really heavy emotional load of of this memory which and this is one thing like i i mean it's not like they ignored it they did yeah. explore it but i think i just enjoy the character so much i'd want to see more of it is the reality that Bucky is consciously aware of everything he did wrong when he was brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I would, I'm, I'm maybe that sounds like I'm a glutton for misery or something, <laughs> but like, I, I'd really like to see more of him working through that. Cause you know, you like, you see him at a therapist, but you know, half of those, half of those moments are kind of played for laughs or him just trying to like get, get out of it, which mm-hmm. I, I fully appreciate and understand Bucky doesn't want to probably doesn't want to spend his time there. He'd rather be out in the field or, <laughs> or whatever. So that makes sense to me. But once he finally gets that moment, it made me think of, um, do you guys remember the second Jason Bourne movie, the, the Bourne supremacy? Yeah. Um, all that was centered around him finding the, the daughter of his first assassination target and yeah. trying to make amends for that. And that was actually the climax of the film, not a fight. Mm-hmm. It was him going in and confessing that to her. And I think he even asked for her forgiveness. I don't remember if he did or I might have just, my heart might have just filled in those gaps. <laughs> because, because, because you knew he was remorseful. Yeah. Right. You know, um, uh, and, it, and that came across so well. And he gets the moment to explain this to the father of this, this, this young man that he killed while he was the winter soldier, who was really just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't a target. Um, he was just kind of clean up for the assassin, you know, and, and he gets the moment to confess that to him. But, you know, logically speaking, while the old man knows who Bucky is, I'm not sure that he knows who in the world the winter soldier is. So when he's like the winter soldier killed your son, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what that would mean to him. Um, and so it's kind of like, hey, we need to make sure Bucky makes amends here, so let's have him do it. And and yeah. and I would just 
I wanted him to have that moment for sure. I think I just, you know, I, I enjoy the character so much and, and I'm really invested in, in his journey as a character. So I, I wish I could have seen more, uh, in that particular moment. Yeah, that's yeah. one you didn't even, I didn't even think, I wish I had now that you bring it up. Yeah. Like early on, it's, there's something really interesting going on with Bucky. Like you said, with the, the man that he's trying to like, you know, kind of, he's getting the helping out and, then it's kind of forgotten yet yeah, for the rest of the season until the last episode. There's a few minutes tacked on at the end to kind of close that that circle, you know. But it was like there was it all I because of everything else, you'd almost completely forgot about that whole storyline. Well, uh, and what can I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Jared. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, for me, that's the number one that's the number one thing that I was most maybe most disappointed with of, of not getting. And I and I think I told Steven, like, I wish we could have you know. Um, the creative team could have just called in like the, the writer's room from the leftovers just to write that scene between Bucky and that old man and just let that breathe. Oh my goodness. I mean, you know, and I have to remind myself like for, for all the quality we get with, with the MCU, like that's, that's not really their jam, you know? I mean, like, like we got that moment in Endgame between Natasha and Steve and that conversation I, I really loved, which I mean, uh, you know, about the two of them talking about the end of the world and how they couldn't move on and all that. I think that's maybe some of the closest stuff that mm. we've gotten to, to what I'm thinking of, but I would have, I would have loved to have gotten something like that with Bucky and, and this guy. And yeah. And like, like you were saying, like this guy probably doesn't understand who the winter soldier is and then he asked Bucky why, and Bucky's like, I had to. And so you don't even get, like, you don't even, I assume he explains some more yeah. about being brainwashed, but you, you just, you get that set up in the very first episode, and then you don't really get the catharsis of the the, the full conversation, so. Yeah. And I think, too, like, we have to remember, I have to remind myself of this we're still dealing with Disney here. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if this was on HBO, then we might get some leftovers level emotion, uh, in some of this, which listen, I don't want to over glorify the leftovers level of emotion because I almost quit on that show in season one <laughs> because it was so depressing. Um, and I told you both that I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, <laughs> So it certainly earns all of its cathartic moments, but boy, does it put in a lot of work before it gets there. So, yeah. you know, I, I think you're right. You know, like that end game conversation, you talked about Steve and Natasha and how the weight of that. And honestly, like there's a really deep, um, tender, um, just really emotionally vulnerable for me is, is, is the scene where Steve gives Sam the shield. Yeah. Um, when you see him as an old man who's finally kind of, you know, it's this sort of well done, good and faithful servant moment. Like Steve has done all he's going to do and he's just got one last thing to give. And, and Sam's humility and accepting that shield and w- balanced with Steve's total assuredness and confidence in the decision he's making is just a really beautiful thing to go back and see. Um, especially when they cut back knowing, seeing Bucky's kind of knowing glances like he's on board with this. Mm-hmm. And and so um I'm very glad that Sam came around to to don it to donning the whole persona because um that is a question that the show asks. Like, 
can a black man be Captain America and be accepted? Um, should a black man be Captain America, given all that America has done to the black community in its history? And those are good questions to ask, and that brings us brings us Isaiah Bradley, which I got to think about what I want to say about Isaiah Bradley. So, Tim, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Talk to I, us about Isaiah Bradley and any thoughts you may have. Yeah. I, first of all, I did not because, you know, it's similar trait, you know, what we're talking about right now with Disney being Disney and, you know, just where to tread, you know, where where you take the story. I did not expect them to do what they did in this show, but I feel like if you're going to talk about the dilemma of the shield going from, you know, from Steve to Sam, this has to be in the conversation. Um, uh, and the, the fact that they not, not even went from the conversation of, yeah, as a black man, how, what difference is that going to make that even given the history um, of the U S and, um, our treatment of black people. I, I just did not anticipate them going that far at all. And I was, I, I, I feel like some of my favorite um, scenes in the film were those, those discussions and those, um, especially with Isaiah, like just, just that sort of that, that thread. Uh, I just, the whole time I was like, I, I just kind of couldn't believe <laughs> this was being talked about in a Marvel show. I, I, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was really surprising. And I'm like, this, this needed, you have, this had to happen. You have to do this. And I just didn't think they were going to be bold enough to, to do that. Um, I was, ah, man, I was surprised. It was interesting to think about the notion of the super soldier serum basically as like a Tuskegee experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it would like in that kind of world, like in a in a this sounds weird in a universe where superheroes exist and that happened, it totally makes absolute sense that the U.S. given what we've done in the past, as far as medical experimentation and that sort of thing, it would it it just it checks out like that was something that I it totally makes sense that that was something like that would happen, I, yeah. and it's something that I I I mentally hadn't even gone that route, you know, just in thinking about this universe, I don't know. It just had not even entered my mind. I was just the things they, they, the places they took the show. I just, yeah, it worked really well for me. Well, Sam's struggle to accept the shield has some really, um, it breeds some really interesting moments. Obviously that is a big one. His, um, conversation with Isaiah Bradley and how, how Bradley's experience Certainly, you know, no pun intended, colors his perspective. And he passes that along to Sam as his elder. And um, the way that he has seen the world and both been, and been treated by it. And there's a whole lot of ammunition and evidence to support his view of the world. Um, Bucky, on the other hand has a personal stake in, in Sam's success. And then, and that was a very surprising moment, you know, that, that came right out of a comedic moment. Like, and that is probably one of the funnier before we get to the serious thing. One of the funnier moments to me is when they both get forced into therapy, like couples therapy <laughs> together and, and their egos are constantly embattled one to the other. And, um, uh, Bucky eventually just explodes and says, um, if you don't take that shield, that means Steve was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. 
Right. And, and that is just the core, you know, again, we talk mm. about the anchors that, yeah. you know, we said those guys were Steve's anchors, but Steve was an anchor to both of them as well. Yeah. You know, we think about how he found them. Like he, he, you know, not literally, but as figuratively close to literally as possible, yeah. Steve pulled Bucky out of hell. I mean, like, you know, and he, he was willing to die to redeem his friend. And, and, and even when no one else would have his back, he, he was willing to walk that alone. And here he is, um, as Sam helps Steve adjust to sort of the new world. Steve is also helping Sam kind of get back in the fight, you mm-hmm. know? Um, sort of regain his confidence in that. And in that, he finds an incredible amount of loyalty from Sam, where Sam is almost the only one who who is who is consistently steadfast to every crazy thing Steve wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of my as was one of my favorite lines. I'm pretty sure it was in Civil War where he's like are you sure about this? And Steve's like, yes, I'm sure. And he goes, good. Just want to make sure because the guys that shoot you usually end up shooting at me too. Um, and, and so, you know, Steve, he, he is the Sam to Steve's Frodo. Like, I mean, yeah, really. And, and I mean that yeah. as a compliment, yeah. like as, as this bond of loyalty that is unbreakable. And, and um, so not only, you know, you know, Steve is anchors to both of them. And so, that is a real, that'd have to be a real crisis of faith for Bucky to think that Steve, who went to such great lengths to rescue him, could have been doing it in vain, which would just shake him to his core, you know. Um, and so that was a really brief but powerful moment um, that I really appreciated them doing. And so I want to, you know, just kind of circle back to sam's struggle here and and i don't know this is, I, I don't know that the show is really telling us this maybe maybe it is and i'm just not as clever as i think i am which wouldn't be the first time but um something i really appreciate is is all of these angles of these voices not necessarily pouring into sam but the show gives voice to multiple characters giving their opinions about the shield about about the legacy of the mantle you know brad isaiah bradley's obviously is very cut and dried and clear and directed right at sam um julia louis dreyfus you know her her val her character when she's talking to john walker i mean well even john walker like even though he's crazy who who i you know again it's the wrestling fan in me i can appreciate the performance of a good villain or, or of a good complicated villain. So I, I enjoyed him for what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And more on him in a minute. We, we, we definitely should spend a minute or two talking about him, but um, you know, he is trying to sort of fulfill the expectation of being yeah. like he, he, he remind he reminds me of this, this, this is not going to land on all of our listeners, but, um, anyone who in any of them who are Christians may, may make sense of this. He seems like someone who's trying to work his way into heaven, you know, like, it's like, if I can just do enough things, have enough heroic efforts, like I will be worthy of this title. Yeah. Whereas Sam had that title. He was, he was called by that name. Like, you know, he was given the shield, like, even though Sam would say he didn't even do anything to deserve it, you know, like, and, and that's another, I know we're not really talking about Endgame, but again, that's another line that I love from that when he holds the shield for the first time and he asks him, Sam, Steve asks him how it feels. He says, it feels like it belongs to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And he says, 
that's why it's yours. And, and like, it's, it's that very moment where, um, it's, it's just that very moment where that's the point, yeah. you know, like it's, it's that humility, it's that selflessness, yeah. it's, it's what it makes you. And so we get to the end, to the last episode. And by the way, maybe I'm wrong for this, but I chuckled every time somebody from a neighborhood called him black Falcon. Yeah. Like, he's like, Hey, black Falcon. He's like, it's just Falcon. It's just, my name's just Falcon. <laughs> and he's like, okay, black Falcon, you know, and I don't know. I couldn't tell if they really just didn't know because he's been a sidekick to the Avengers all this time, or if they were just, you know, busting his chops either way, it was really entertaining. So at the end where, you know, he, well, I imagine we could talk about the speech in a minute too, but, but, um, he is, you know, they have this big action sequence and he comes out looking very heroic as he should be. And there's two, there's two black men standing behind the police barriers, an old man and a young man. Mm-hmm. And the old man says, Hey, isn't that black Falcon? And the younger man says, no, nah, that's captain America. Yeah. And to me, that moment suggested, um, I didn't mention what Val actually said about the shield, but she said, you know, technically it doesn't belong to the government either. It's some kind of legal gray area or something, you know, she's being real conniving and stuff. Um, But nevertheless, everybody has these sort of ideas about allegiances to who Captain America should be about. And even Steve went through that from the first movie to coming out of the ice to civil war. And it seems almost, it's like, it's almost as if Sam has been, steps into the role of Captain America, not for the government, but for the people. Mm. And he, he is, he is a hero for the people. And so he has done something with, and, and he's, he's doing something with this, uh, mantle that I wouldn't say Steve hasn't done that, but he obviously was the government approved guy. Even if Steve had the heart that Sam has, the government was still cool with him. <laughs> you know, until until Sokovia. <laughs> until Sokovia, which is you know, whatever. But um, you know, for for a minute or two, they were cool <laughs> with him. Um and so anyway, I, I, I found that to be stirring in its own way that it it felt like this is gonna sound kind of corny because it's cause it's I, I, you know, a lesser moment in my eyes, but it reminded me of the first Toby Maguire Spider-Man movie where he's trying to save Mary Jane and the kids at the same time and and the goblins and the green goblins you know taunting him like you'll never be able to save everybody and stuff and it's the people of New York who come to intervene for him you know mm-hmm. to try to distract him and give him a moment so it's like you know it's the people are lifting him up when mm-hmm. when he's having to carry such a heavy burden in that moment and I feel like that's a it's always a small ver- a very small version of that that it's no, he he won't he won't be good enough for for the government as they are right now in the in the way that they are and 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 he doesn't really need or want to be good enough for them, but he will be good enough for for the public and that's what he's going to strive for and try to be a hero for the people, um, a people's champion, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I love that moment where you had the the two guys the older one there and and the younger one um you know the, like you said the older one says he says black falcon right yeah 
yeah. yeah. And so the other one, the other one, and, and to me that just sort of was sort of this uh, microcosm of, uh, you know, the old man's generation probably not, probably understanding, you know, I'm sure understanding the realities of the times they grew up in and how there was very much a ceiling on what you could, what you could be. Um, and how, you know, the younger generation, um, has grown up in a time where things have started to change and where there's not that same sort of ceiling. And so he recognizes, Oh no, he is captain America. He can be captain America. Um, so I felt like that was a, a great microcosm of, you know, of sort of the public, um, perception of things, which we, we get sort of, you know, in that personalized form of, of Isaiah Bradley, which is a lot more personal and raw, um, you know, but there we just get a little bit of a different take on it, on how it's, you know, it's not just, um, you know, Bradley, it's, it's, it's an entire, it's generations, um, uh, that have known that there was there very much a, a limit on on what you could be and don't even consciously you know I'm sure he wasn't even thinking oh this could be Captain America whereas the younger guy you know comes from a different perspective mm. and recognizes that yeah yeah oh. I was just trying to look up uh, the uh, I was just trying to look up part of that speech that he gave in the end and i think that's one of my if i can pull just one or two lines out of it it would have to be um what's this the only power i have is that i believe we can do better um and i think that is sort of the the middle ground of speaking to spe- speaking to the government that would rather have a john walker speaking to Isaiah Bradley, who thinks that he had no business being in that position, um, to be that bridge. And, you know, there's, uh, I, um, I wish more people were okay with that. Um, you know, I, I saw, uh, you know, I had to read around social media and stuff after this, the last episode aired and that moment happened. And, it's interesting. Um, I think there are some people who are still, you know, and there's, you know, the world's just full of different people. Um, I didn't see a lot of <laughs> government minded people speaking their mind, but I saw a lot of people who probably come from that sort of Isaiah Bradley mindset being mm. like, yeah, not good enough, you know, mm. um, kind of thing. And there's in, 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 in what way there the 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 idea that like just still like kind of carrying the notion that Sam shouldn't Sam shouldn't be carrying that shield because it's a you know a lot of what he a lot of what Isaiah's first warning was to it and and a lot of kind of crowing about um like all he got was a statue when he'd been in prison uh, Isaiah you know and all this stuff and and everything and and yeah I mean. He, I don't think Isaiah Bradley was made whole, uh, you know, by, by all he was forced to sacrifice, um, and lose, um, during his history. But I will say this, I thought that hearing him speak, hearing Sam speak like that with that confidence and, and that desire, like him, him taking that stance is what makes him worthy of the shield mm-hmm. in, in terms of the lineage of Steve is that I'm not going to hold myself to be cold 
and cynical that nothing will ever change. And, 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 you know, maybe, maybe, you know, in the real world, Sam might be wrong about that, but, but, you know, sometimes being right and wrong about it isn't really the point. Mm -hmm. Um, and in my opinion, you know, I think a lot of it is the posture of your heart and, and are you going to fight that fight or not? Um, and Sam, Sam is going to, and, uh, I find that really inspiring and I thought it was really touching that while he's doing that speech and everybody's got their phones out and there's people, you know, all these people around, I understand that it has to be this public display because you have to see the scene of Isaiah watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's seeing Sam do that, you can tell that he's getting through to him, even if he'll never tell him that he did, you know, at that moment, I was like, I don't know if he'll ever tell him that he did, but, but he is. Plus you um, have, plus you have the contrast of the government introducing John Walker as Captain America through a press conference yeah. <laughs> versus versus Sam introducing himself as Captain America through saving people, you know. Right. Yeah, saving lives versus, you know, superhero brutality. Um <laughs> it was um yeah, so that was that was something else. Let's um what else to say. I was really I I, I you know, for what it's worth, I mean, listen, I'm yeah, I, I'm never going to meet everybody's expectations of of uh, of um, what I like about storytelling when it t- turns to things like justice and stuff. But but I really appreciate that final scene. I love seeing um, I love seeing that scene where he took Isaiah to the museum and mm-hmm. and um, you know let him see that whole display and stuff. It reminded me. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. Um, I've only ever watched one scene, which I can thank my wife for. Um, but it is one of my, if I watch it enough times, it'll become one of my favorite scenes in TV period, which is there was an episode. I don't even, I don't even know the context of the entire episode. All I know is they bring Vincent van Gogh from the past into the present because he was, um, I think maybe he was suicidal or something and they were trying to like save his life and so they bring him to the present into this display where all of his artwork is is on display which you know he just thought that his life and his work was meaningless and workless and they bring a curator up who's played by Bill Nye um the Uncle Billy or whatever his name is from Love Actually um <laughs> or Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean your mileage may vary um <laughs> but to say like hey can you just tell me what is it that made Van Gogh so special and he just speaks for like two or three minutes and you can just see like the actor who's playing Van Gogh is just like holding back, trying not to fall apart in that moment, like seeing how much worth his life had. And so seeing this scene reminded me of those emotions, seeing Isaiah getting to see, you know, and he's, and he, and, and I, and, you know, I'll, I'll certainly concede that it's, it's a step in the right direction. It's certainly not one blank check of making everything right. Um, but I thought it was really good. Yeah. And I'm Mm -hmm. with you. It's not, it's not, it's a step in the right direction, but I think, you know, I feel like a lot of times we, it acknowledgement of, of something that's happened where in the past we may not that to me alone is one of the biggest, like it is a, it is a significant step that needs to happen. Like I've, and I feel like that's sometimes is the hardest hurdle to cross you know and so i feel like it even though there's more that needs to be done that that to me was it was a big deal and on the flip side it's okay to be happy that a good step in the right direction took Mm -hmm. place it doesn't mean that you're excusing all the stuff that has yet to come 
Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there is still more to be done, but there yeah. still can be there still can be a collective agreement of yeah. of something right has happened here. Um, yeah, where that's I mean I guess that just comes with polarization, which is just where our world is now. Um, speaking of polarization, so let's talk about John <laughs> Walker. Um, Wyatt Russell, the son of the awesome, the eternally awesome Kurt Russell. Um, fun fact, while I was trying to find that Sam speech, came across the trivia a bit that uh, Wyatt Russell auditioned for Steve Rogers in the first Avenger, but lost out to Chris Evans. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, which is probably for the best because, I mean, he, you know, some people call him, you know, wish.com captain america or party city cap uh you know that kind of stuff the, the, the whole u.s agent outfit i mean you know it's made to kind of make you feel that way of like an imposter and stuff but uh let's talk a little bit about his performance and and john walker's character i mean jared you got any initial thoughts on this yeah i i don't i'm trying to think i don't know if there's been a character in the mcu that i've had more of a well, I guess love hate's not really the best. I, I don't know that I loved him at any point, um, but he was surprisingly um, much more complex than what I expected. Um, when, when we first got into it, actually when I first heard the setup for the show um, and, and the involvement of that character, I didn't know, I, I didn't really know anything from the comics about what role he played or whatever. I thought he was going to be pretty straightforward in terms of he would be some schmuck that the government, you know, installed uh, to, to, to put a face on Captain America. And I thought and, and really in, in, in a real world, uh, you know, the way this would have gone is like they wouldn't have been sending him or even letting him go out on these missions. Yeah, he would have uh, died on the semi truck. He, he would have died on the semi truck and they would have never, if, if they did ever let him go out into those, like they would have had a team with him, uh, to make him look good. And then he would have just shown up for, you know, the photo ops at the end and stuff like that. So it's not the way it would have really gone. Um, but you know, I, I understand why they, why they had to do that. And, and it makes him for much more, um, complex and interesting character because you know i mean for starters you know he comes in and and we know that cap gave sam the shield and wanted him to be cap and and sam basically agreed to do that and there's a tendency to think like well surely you know maybe how much did how much did sam relay of this to other people um and so so you there, we because we know that it's like oh my gosh no he's not meant to sam's meant to be captain america <laughs> and he he retired the shield and so then you don't take it up but we don't we don't know i mean maybe sam never said that maybe he just said cap gave him the shield he wanted to retire it and so here comes along john walker and john walker gets a story from the government like look we need a captain america and we think you're it and he and he wants to to do right by it because we see enough um behind the scenes with him that he's a, a decent guy um you know that i mean it, it would have been very easy to you know 
to make him a trope of being some yeah. racist racist character who doesn't want Sam, you know, who has some sort of maybe even subtle, uh, you know, uh, issue with Sam being Captain America. But I mean, you know, his best friend is black. His wife is Hispanic. I think he would have I'm, voted for Obama a third time if he could. Have. <laughs> he would have voted for Obama a third time, right? Right. So. Um, he's, you know, he, he's not, uh, he's not an evil character and he seems to have, um, to start out with good intentions, but the the problem with him is, and and this is sort of weird because, you know, he, he seemed apparently to be a, a pretty good leader in the role that he was in, um, you know, I guess with the military, but in this role, he's like, I think of a boss that I had before who, was was not a leader um and it was like he he was a newspaper editor and it was like he went and watched tape of j jonah jameson yelling at reporters and said oh that's that's what you're supposed to do as an editor (laughs) and so it, it with with john walker it's like he's not really a leader at least not one fit for this sort of role with i mean I, you know, the, the problem was was within taking it in the first place, because almost no one is going to be able to withstand the the bar that Steve Rogers has set. You know, right. that that's that's my biggest problem with with anything that he did is the fact that he took that on in the first place. Yeah. Like, that's just a bad decision on every level. You know, I mean, I, I can I can see how, you know, the character would have you know justified that. But that is that is going to cause nothing but misery for you. Um, so, so, so there's that side to him. But here's the thing about John Walker that I would say is like John Walker is is a far better man than than Tony Stark for the most part. We like Tony better because he's charismatic and he's funny and he's got lots of cool tech. But he spent most of his life selling that tech to uh, terrorists to terrorists or well, the army. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's... Right. <laughs> right. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes those are two different things and maybe <laughs> they're the same thing. Well, I'm pretty sure I, I, I spat that out really quickly. I'm not so sure that Tony was aware that he was selling to terrorists. All yeah. The time. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Right. And then, um, you know, even within the course of, of the, the, the movies kind of once you get past the original Avengers. Um, and I mean, even then you're dealing with some of it then, but a lot of it is like cleaning up the mistakes Tony makes in trying to, uh, absolve himself of the guilt, you know, he feels so, um, so there, there's a lot of things there, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you, you take a look at, at what happened with with John Walker killing the, the flag smasher with the shield and putting blood on the shield. Um, that visual. Yeah, that, that visual. Oof, man, that was uh, that was something else, that last scene. But, you know, you, you flip back to Tony was ready to murder Bucky for killing his for killing his parents when it was not under Bucky's, you know, control. This was something that had happened decades earlier. Um, and who knows how far he would have gone with, with, you know, 
hurting Steve in, in, yeah. in the pursuit of that. And so we sort of, we don't really think about that that much or sort of give him a pass. Whereas with John Walker, it's like, Oh my gosh, he, he murdered someone in cold blood and he got blood on the shield. So, um, so I, I have this, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Like, like I think the great thing about John Walker is that he's complex enough that I'm, I'm, I'd be, I'd be kind of up for a John Walker series, even though I don't think they can pitch it that way. Um, and and get, you know, maybe a lot of interest in it, but I would be up for that because I would love to see the progression of, of that character, because I think a lot of it is sort of just unfair, um, hate for him under the circumstances, though I will close that off by saying, uh, that little moment where I, I deeply enjoyed that moment where Sam and Bucky break his arm to get the shield and that little scream that he oh, yeah. lets out because he 100% deserved that after that fight. Yeah. <laughs> John Walker's behavior, while, while not, you know, commendable, I think gets more venom from people than, say, your Tony Starks. Not so much because of who John is, but because who he's representing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like Batman and the Dark Knight Rises. Well, that's not something Batman would do, you know, like is is a lot of the, you know, refrains we had, like, mm-hmm. like, why did he retire for seven years when, you know, because someone died when when someone's death made him become Batman in the first place, you know, like, um, so, you know, a lot of what he does, I think we is, is in that that letting out of rage that sort of petulance and entitlement that he has at times mm-hmm. or just not becoming it's not that it's not becoming of captain america is not becoming of steve and, right. and we've and you know yeah. this this um this uh show is a lot about symbols uh you know and so so that but you know i think there is i don't know how i fully feel about walker um i'm with you i would see him in another series i would almost like a um i hate because we've this this idea is going to be done to death, but I don't know how to compare it to anything else. But a Suicide Squad type of show, mm-hmm. or or movie where he's a part of sort of an antihero kind of team, um, would would be pretty compelling to me. Um, and who knows, maybe they're headed in that. There's rumors that maybe they're headed in that kind of direction. Yeah. But um, but Walker really strikes me as kind of a Boromir type character, like mm-hmm. someone who, in his heart, I think does want to do the right thing, but he's just so corruptible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and power does not suit him yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I like what Jared said. Like he's also thinks that he's convinced that he can be like, I like the, the, the idea of like Steve never, like never thought he should, like he never thought he was worthy enough to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Sam. It's like, it reminds me like I have a litmus test for like anybody who wants to be like, who wants to be president should just be disqualified. Like if, if you get a group that's like, hey, who wants to be president? And you raise your hand. I'm like, okay, well then, no, you shouldn't. You <laughs> like, right. it's almost like the same thing with Captain America. Like, who wants to be Captain America? And it's like, if you think you can be, or like, or that's your goal, like, it's like, no, okay, no, we're someone else. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. Like, as an individual, I, I, I'm a little torn because, like, there's a you know moment at the end. Uh, in the last episode where, you know, all the action things are happening and um, some hostages are, you know, in this been thrown into this armored truck and they're about to fall off this giant structure. And we already know he has shown up to try to 
you know, finish his vendetta against Carly Morgenthau, which uh, we're going to have to talk about these flags. But sure, yeah, get done too. Um, and, you know, in the moment, it seems like all is lost and the, the truck is going to fall off. And, and we see, we see the shield that this, you know, DIY Pinterest shield that he made for himself, <laughs> um, fall to the ground and he's trying to pull the truck up himself, you know, as, as the super soldier that he now is. I really loved the imagery that he dropped the shield to, to do that. And I felt like that was a measure of redemption for him in a moment. Um, and I'm, I'm just like, as a, as a moment in a vacuum, I really loved it. Um, but then remembering that he murdered someone in public in cold blood and hasn't answered for it. Mm -hmm. And he's also now, now the second part, I wouldn't say is really his fault. I think he's just being naive and manipulated, but is also being courted by someone who's probably very evil to, you know, be a part of some sort of sinister organization. Um, you know, I, I got to wonder if maybe like, um, maybe like that moment was like him proving to his own psyche that like, yes, I am good. I can be good. I can be worthy. And so like, cause you know, he seems really perked up when he's got his new costume on. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, this feels pretty good. You know, I like the colors or whatever, you know, well, he's, do, he's doing the whole little, like, yes, I'm back. I'm back. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which is like by far the most like, okay, maybe I hate you again now. You know? <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, I think that's the thing is that like, it, it, it's almost as, yeah, it's almost as if he had his, his physical display of rescuing people was his sort of press conference apology kind of thing. Um, and now I'm just, now that no one's paying attention, now that everybody's looking at Sam, I'm just going to go back to being exactly who I was. Um, which is, you know, some power going to my head. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that makes him a complex character though. And you know, that, that makes me interested. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Do you guys feel like that, that moment, like the rescue was that was that like cheap? Should that have been him? Should, you know, I don't know. How do you, how do you measure that, that really isolated, nice moment versus yeah, the, the rest of his arc. So I, I think for me, it, it you know, I, I, I think going back to some of what I said before, like it, it seems for, for him all about, proving to himself he's, he's almost like thor in a way mm. it's almost like he's got to prove to himself that he's good enough the shield is almost like yeah. his mjolnir and when they had the end credits uh the post credit scene after episode five of him building the shield i'm like oh he oh he's putting his stars on it oh this this guy is yeah. has got to put his stars on it to show the world and then what i thought was cool in the finale was the stars were on the inside of it. They weren't for other people to see. It was for him, like, to remind himself. Yeah. Um, and so it's almost so. So after I saw that moment, it it made sense to me then that he would try to save the hot, you know, the hostages over over his personal vendetta because he's he's trying to do the right thing, but it's always from. It seems like it's always from the framework of unlike, you know, maybe someone like Steve or, or someone like Sam who are like secure enough in themselves in a way, he's he's 
like going through all these mechanisms in his mind of what would be the right the right thing to do mm, and what yeah. what would like elevate him to this standard. So that, that was trying to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that wow. was my interpretation of it. Mm. Yeah, for me it just added to like I know what Jared said early on with one thing that I appreciated about his character was just the complexity of it. You know, like he I know Jared already said all this, but it, it could have been really easy to make him yeah, a trope or really one dimensional, like a really just kind of like kind of like just cardboard cut out, you know, just some of you needed to be this certain sort of anti-hero villain type thing. But I like how he, yeah, like he, I think, yeah, he just, there was a lot, a lot more to him, even though I still didn't like him. Like there was, there was more to him. I could appreciate him for, yeah, what he was and what he was trying to accomplish. At least some of it in the beginning. I don't know. But yeah, there was, I liked how there was more to him than just this foil, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of foils, so um, <laughs> we had the uh, one of the one of the the villains. Yeah, my transition game's on point tonight, guys. <laughs> the um, w- one of the one of the villains that we are dealing with in the series is a terrorist group called the Flag Smashers, um, headed by Carly Morgenthau, who is, um, as we find out, as a super soldier. Uh, and there are multiple super soldiers within this terrorist cell. Um, beyond that, Tim, um, <laughs> why not? Oh, no. you give me give me your thoughts on on this group and oh, their motive and their man. motivations as as you can best render. Jeez, yeah, this to me of the entire show of of all the the plot lines, this sort of main thrust, this main plot was just the the weakest most kind of half-baked of the of the series it just it there was never a point so i feel like with with wandavision even though there are a lot of questions you know and like kind of it was kind of doling out answers as you went i still could like really easily define what was going on or like explain to somebody hey this is what's happening if someone were to ask me hey yeah what's going on with these flag smasher people i'm like ah yeah they are you know it just there was it was very just nebula it was just a really really confusing and there would be things which i yeah we can go down yeah it just there was a lot of confusion and i still don't know even now i'm like i know the idea was like you know once the blip happened you know half the population everywhere people needed you know needed to kind of rebuild infrastructure so they were allowing you know the borders were were a lot more fluid now but then when you know that kind of reversed now it's like oh wait we don't need you anymore we're pushing you out which is kind of an interesting idea but i think the way it was handled with just like a small group like seven people i don't know you know it just it felt like it just it just didn't make any sense and didn't there's so so many quibbles and problems with it (laughs) well go ahead jared i i feel like um, this show tried to make me care about them in a way, in the same way that John Walker tried to make <laughs> America accept him and care about him as Captain America. Yeah. Um, it's like, I see that you're trying, but yeah, this isn't, this isn't working. Um, so, I mean, I think that, like the issue that I've got with it is, uh, I mean, besides everything that you just said about being so nebulous and there just being no real connection to it on an emotional level is like, even if you strip it down to like a logical level and say, 
you know, okay, so there's been like five years between the snap and when they came back. Five years is not that long of a time. And it's probably been more like, I mean, nothing, you know, it's probably going to take like a year or more for them to determine, oh, these people aren't ever coming back. And then it's probably going to take a year after that to start rearranging things. So these people have been in these places for two to three years, maybe. Um, and then if, if the people come back, the people that have, have otherwise been there the entire lives, like on a logical level, you know, on an emotional level, if you'd shown me more of that and like how they were getting kicked out or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm sure I could have empathized regardless. But yeah. when you did, when you didn't, and then all I've got really is a, a logical idea to revert back to of like, well, I mean, I, I mean, it sucks for them. This is, it's tough, but like, it's probably the, the right thing, at least closer to the right thing to do than just letting everybody stay there in, you know, the homes of people who were there for, you know, 30 years or, or whatever prior yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, uh, Gosh, I don't know where where to begin with this. Like, I, I think it, you know the idea had promise because, like, uh, throw back to Wandavision for a second. Um, we had a very brief but very poignant um, visualization of what it was like for Monica to wake up, wake up, but to to blip back in when she had been sitting at her mother's bedside, only to come back and realize that her mother had been dead for five years. And this this notion that time that you you come back and time has moved on. And so, you know, I feel like the intention here was to somehow get us to understand the other side of that. Um, But they didn't really devote a lot of that time to do that. And so I know I think, you you know, uh, there there have been rumblings about uh, the pandemic, COVID, um, negatively impacting the writing of this season. Like there was some sort of viral element to one of the subplots in in this season, which I'm sure involved the flag smashers because there's a scene of them stealing a bunch of vaccines or something like that, which Mm. don't remember if that even went anywhere. Yeah. You never hear about it after that. No. (laughs) Yeah. So like, yeah, as, as they stand, um, in, for for what was given to us just for for my likings i could have preferred them to either been lumped in with george st pierre's character uh batrock as as just part of his gang or something or 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 on their own and they could have been like that opening scene where Falcon is flying through the Canyon. Like it's that sort of old school hero show where you have a mini adventure at the beginning before the real plot gets rolling. So you could have them in the universe, but they wouldn't be such a central part of what's going on. And I think I, I, and I, if that's how they were going to present them, I'd rather have seen them that way. Otherwise I could have definitely, like we said earlier, could have standed to see the season be a bit longer and have them devote a little, mm-hmm. a little more carefully articulated yeah. time to them because they, I felt like they actually did get quite amount of time, but I just didn't get a lot. Like, you know, the, yeah. the, um, Carly, um, what was that actress's name? Because she was also, again, not the first and won't be the last Aaron Kellyman. Um, who played Carly Morgenthau also played a near identical star Wars version of this character in the film solo. Um, 
which is just unfortunate <laughs> uh, for her because, I mean, you know, her role in Solo was really, actually, I, I would argue her role in Solo was much more fleshed out and understandable um, in that plot than this one is, but it's still kind of the same same character. Um, but, you know, she has this connection to this other lady, Ma- Mama Danya, I think is her name, who we really know nothing about. Uh-huh. She's on her deathbed or is even dead by the time we actually see her on screen. And, like, that is this sort of, I get the idea that that Carly is sort of hanging by a thread here because she has this she has a really strong political belief in how people, you know, how the oppressed should be getting treated versus how they are being treated and you know kind of looking out for for the for the least uh and stuff. But at the same time, she um she she can be real murdery. Um <laughs> real quick. <laughs> And, you know, uh, Tim, I think you and I talked about this offline, but like that someone in the vast uh, space of the Internet wrote an interesting article or maybe it was even a Twitter thread. I don't know about the Flag Smashers in particular and how 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 bad it is that certain shows when they have a villain can't help themselves when they have a nuanced villain who might actually have a a logical point to what they're doing, that they immediately have to push them over the edge just to remind you that they're bad. Um, And I think that, that, that piece of writing came out when they car bombed that, that building. And, and, um, and it seemed like I really, really liked the moments in between those things when Sam was trying to get through mm-hmm. to her because yeah. it pulled on the fact that Sam was a trauma counselor yeah. for the military. And like, that is something that could have easily just been forgotten, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you see that and then next it's on your left and, and he and Steve are just, you know, training and it's a montage, you know? And, 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 um, so I'm really glad that they yeah. able to, I would say as a superpower, but, but that is something that's, that makes Sam special though, you know? is his ability to communicate with empathy um, to others. I mean, that is a thing that makes him like Steve. Um, And so I loved that, that moment. And I thought that was a great, I mean, I know it's happened before in other movies and stuff, but it was a, you could see it coming a mile away, but it was just a great scene where he's starting to get through to her and John Walker shows up and wrecks the whole thing. And like, that's just like a, that, that was a great sequence to me um but yeah i just feel like tim you used the phrase half-baked i i I think that is like i i almost feel like there's half of a season sitting on a cutting room floor somewhere you know yeah release release the smasher cut (laughs) so i i have been there's there's a a couple interesting youtube videos but then also i happen to have a, a friend who um, w- worked on this show um, and more in the animation. So he was part of the previous, the people that go in and will, I hope he's okay with me sharing about this. Uh, he's probably not listening, but uh, um, he'll go in and kind of, they'll kind of st- almost storyboard, but animate early renderings of, of some of the action sequences. And he actually worked on this show like 16 months. So like, which is funny. We actually didn't know he's, he's not supposed, he can't really talk about it. <laughs> so we always know he's working on something marvelly. But we just never know what it is. And we don't like we just we don't want to like make him feel any pressure to like tell us stuff. So we just don't even ask. We're just like, oh, cool. How's work going? You know, is it going well? Um, <laughs> but um, around the same time, these videos started coming out about this 
plot that kind of had to get rewritten. He kind of mentioned too, he didn't know much of the story. He was mostly just working on the animation. They, they're very hush hush, but he did hear rumors about originally there was something like a biohazard of a virus type plot that came from Madripoor. And once the coronavirus hit, they had to just make a lot of changes on the fly really quickly. And mm-hmm. he said, even, you know, the show was supposed to come out, you know, in fall of 2020, it got pushed. It was supposed to come out before WandaVision. And he really, I really think that, yeah, this kind of flag smash, this, their main plot just kind of totally had to kind of pivot really quickly to where mm-hmm. like the, the woman who, you know, Carly, I guess, was it her mom? Not mother, I don't know. Matriarch. I guess it was a mother figure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was actually a really significant character. Like I can't remember her name now, but she's a really kind of well-known actor. Like, but literally, you only saw her die. I mean, you just saw her dead and at the funeral. And so there's a lot of kind of people, you know, online that are saying, yeah, she probably had a bigger role. There was just a lot of things that they had to totally just wipe out and and kind of start new. And I I want I'm I'm willing to bet that yeah that kind of the rush on that kind of made this sort of, yeah, less comprehensible because they probably still had to use some scenes that were shot originally for that, but just kind of had to, you know, rewrite some of the audio and stuff to kind of fit it into this new idea, which, yeah, just to me never really got off the ground, never really, even the idea at the end, like, oh, we're going to go in here and stop them from voting on this. Yeah. It just, uh, just, uh, yeah, it, none, none of it really just didn't, didn't work. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they they had a good concept with it when it first when they first talked about it. I'm like, oh, this could be mm-hmm. interesting to see the other side of this. And then it just didn't it just didn't go anywhere. And and I think that was part of like for all the things that I liked about Sam's speech when like he you know when he gets to the part where he's like, yeah, let's you know stop calling them terrorists and this and the other. And, and I was sitting there thinking at the time, and then I saw other like YouTube videos, of course, say the same thing, where it's like, I, I'm pretty sure they fit the classical, they tick every box on the classical <laughs> definition of terrorist here, like blew people up, kidnapped them, tried to set them on fire, have demands of what, you know, so, yeah. um, so that was, that was part of the thing. And, and, um, so I always feel better about my ideas on stuff. You know, <laughs> if, if I, if I develop them first and then I see other like reviews saying the same thing and, you know, and I think like one thing I remember Jeremy John saying was like in all this effort to try to build them up and sympathize with them, like he, I guess he, he was saying he was still able to, to a certain extent, but then like when the show or a character just outright tells you that you should be doing this, like that's kind of where it, um, yeah. loses, loses him a little bit, which is a shame because the core yeah. of Sam's speech was really necessary and important. Um, it being married to the flag smashers in, in, in the way that they were presented to us, mm-hmm. I felt like didn't do his speech many favors. I don't think it diluted it entirely by any stretch of the imagination because the footage, you know, the, the camera cuts and stuff are showing you Isaiah and, and showing you Bucky and, 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 and other people. Mm-hmm. So it's not really just about them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that it, it's, it's really, it's really hard to advocate for some very clear terrorist activity here. You know, if, if anything, um, transition time, uh, if, if there's, 
if there's a villain that you can that you can defend, maybe not strongly, but at least you can see where they're coming from, is Zemo. Um, mm-hmm. All the way back to Civil War, oh, who yeah. was a highly sympathetic, maybe outside of Loki, maybe one of the most sympathetic villains up until that point. Um, when you realize that the actions of the, you know, rewind with us, everybody, and, and, and Captain America Civil War, you find out that in the events of Avengers Age of Ultron, where they pretty much, you know, blow up Sokovia, uh, Zemo, who we find out is rich as all get out, um, uh, has uh, lost his entire family due to the destructive actions of of also Ultron, um, but but the the Avengers uh, fighting. So he has a very um, uh, unilateral unilateral bias against all superheroes. Um, feels as though none of them should exist, and so you know his his mo and in, in Civil War is I know that I'm no super soldier, so I'm not only am I going to kill. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna manipulate Bucky into being evil again, uh, to blackmail to, or not to blackmail, but to frame him as a as a murderer again. I'm going to murder all other remaining super soldiers, and I'm gonna have the Avengers kill each other, um, and and all all because you know he has the trauma of having lost his family, and I think too like um, going back to that moment in civil war, like right before T'Challa shows up and keeps him from killing himself. Like I remember that scene of him just listening to the voicemail on his phone over and over again of like the last message that he got from his family. Um, obviously none of his actions are commendable (laughs) because he's a villain. Um, and he's murdering people, uh, and, and, you know, and, and trying to get heroes to murder each other. But, you understand it at least. Right. And, and so now he, he reenters the scene because Bucky and Sam need information. And so, but it's Bucky's idea to go visit and then spring Zemo out of jail. So the first question I want to ask you guys is we get a completely different vibe from Zemo now than we did before. Like he was highly menacing. I think I would argue that civil war was probably the most, like emotionally torturous Marvel film up until that point. Mm, And he was the villainous figurehead of that. And now we have like a a comedic tag along for a few, few episodes. (laughs) Um, How big of an adjustment was that for you guys? What did you think of new, new ish (laughs) Zemo? Tim, you want to take that one? (laughs) Yeah. I'll admit it was, it was very jarring at first. And and I feel like in a in another word, like if I was being more, I don't even know what the right whatever. I, I feel like it sh- maybe should have bothered me, but something about the chemistry, I just I kind of went with it and I really enjoyed it. But I but it was it was initially like wait this is not it didn't feel like the same person uh, necessarily. But I, yeah, I just his character. It just it all 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 three of them together just kind of. It just worked. It was it was so much fun. It was more fun to me than I guess if he was just that sort of same. But I don't know. But not not that that justifies it. But <laughs> I don't. I I really I was okay with it. I was I was fine. It was just because just it was just a blast. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I I I didn't really have a strong take to it. I li- I like the character. Um, 
you know, I think, I don't know if it's, maybe it's just so much time has feels like it's passed or or maybe not even like, and maybe not even the time as much too, is just sort of like going through end game and feeling like we had closed off that storyline of kind of tying back to what you were saying earlier of how it feels like there's more of an opportunity for a reset here and to, to go with some, you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, and so I, I think, um, I think part of that ties yeah. into just being like, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. I'll go with this. Yeah, I will, it does. Go ahead. Sam. I would say one thing that I don't, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but the way he acted did make me wonder the entire time that there was some sort of double cross about like, if he was gonna, yeah. if he was doing that to kind of win their, not win their favor, but kind of get on their side and then with their guard down. Yeah. Get their guard down and then flip it. So that was, that was one thread. I was like, maybe he's doing this just to catch them at a weak point. And I was, I was surprised that I'm glad it didn't happen, but it did kind of keep me on my, like, I wonder what, what, what is he, is this some, some sort of trick that he's got, you know, is he, he's planning. I don't know. So. Yeah. You know, in a, in a world where we've now experienced multiple timelines of Thanos, Zemo doesn't seem like as big of a threat anymore, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I think that takes yeah. some of the teeth off of it. Um, I do highly, I, I do like the line they kind of straddled with him. Like, obviously he was using, um, he was, he, he was constantly goading them. Like when they were in Madripoor and like, he was sort of prodding at Bucky, forcing him to act like the winter soldier, you know? Like, I mean, I, I like the sort of subtle hints at manipulations he was trying to do. But at the same time, I think I enjoyed him as sort of, at this point, I feel like he's almost more of an anti-hero um, than, than a villain currently, at least. Because yeah. because a couple of things happened that I would consider gro- growth for him. Well, one is growth, the other is just a comedic thing I enjoyed. But um, one is that he had that philosophical conversation with Sam and Bucky about superpowers being a desire for supremacy um, and how basically saying absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I mean, it is basically what he's, he's, he's holding on to there. And I can't remember which one of them it was, if it was Bucky or Sam. And they're like, well, it didn't corrupt Steve and Zemo agreed. Mm -hmm. That surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. That he's like, okay. He's like, you're right. He's like, he was, he was the exception. So in other words, like, I'm not going to stop believing what I believe, but I agree with you that he, and I like to think that he was still, I I know that, I know this isn't true because I saw how we see how civil war ends because he's with T'Challa at the end, but almost kind of, it's almost as if he watched that fight with Bucky and Sam and Steve and he saw how Steve played that fight. Not Bucky, not Bucky and Sam, Bucky and Tony and, and Steve at the end of civil war. It's almost as if he watched that fight and was just like, wow, Steve could, and that, and that it just pause and sidebar is the dividing line there between Steve and John Walker is the moment where you have your victim down. Steve chooses life and, and Walker chooses death. Like he has, he has him in that shield slamming shield smashing motion uh, he's got tony in that way and he just lets it go um but zemo yeah like him him acknowledging uh steve being special i think opens the door 
for him being tolerant of Sam because one, Sam's not a super soldier. So he's probably earned a little more respect from that. And he has seen someone of Steve's character persevere. So if Sam, if we're continuing to see Sam as someone of, of Steve's character, then I don't know that he'll need to earn Zemo's trust in the future, but if so, he may, or at least earn his respect. Well, and, and, I mean, and I, I think there's growth, too, in the fact that, I mean, it, it kind of gets played off as a joke because Bucky doesn't really read him as a threat anymore. But, you know, he, he tells him when they're at the memorial that he's decided not to kill him because Sam Sam has that conversation with him um, when they're at his place, basically saying, well, Bucky's a super soldier. You know, what what, yeah. what about him? And so so there's that growth not just in, you know, the way he sees superheroes, but, you know, whether they have powers or not, but then even with superpowered individuals, after Sam brings up the point about Steve Rogers, and then he brings up the point about Bucky, it seems like, you know, he, he's willing to give some on, okay, there, you know, I, I don't have this blanket belief about them he still blows up the the flag smashers at the end of course but, uh, but they're terrorists Jerry. but they're terrorists yes or well <laughs> you know we can't call them that but don't uh, use labels yeah don't use labels <laughs> so so he does have some some growth there even in his views of super powered people but you're probably going to have to do a lot yeah. to earn that with him yeah. like break him out of prison yeah Things like that, which um, is kind of, which is kind of funny. I'll just throw this in as an aside. Like, yeah. it's kind of interesting to me that you'd think he would almost have more of. He doesn't say anything about Sam and like Sam's tech with his wings. You'd almost think that he would have more of an anger towards tech mm. than he than he would superpowers because it was really tech. That That's cost true. him his family. So that, but then he is like a Sokovian Tony Stark in his own way. Like, I mean, he's he's got his butler and his private jets and stuff too, you know. So I, true, I, true. I feel like that would require a little self reflection. Although he doesn't display a ton of tech, but he's clearly a man of resources. Right. Um, in this way, one other little thing, like when they're on the private jet talking, I I love when I love the kind of villain. That, I, you know, makes me think of like, I, I, I watch a lot of those Ocean's Eleven movies sometimes, like in my, in my spare time. And like by the, by the last one, the villain from the first film, like becomes a part of the team for part of the movie. And like they have, they hold no hostility toward each other. Like they don't like each other, but they don't really hold any like murderous hostility toward each other anymore. And so I like it when villains can carry on a conversation with the hero about yeah. just random topics and so when sam brings up the trouble man soundtrack to bucky and he like because like that was him and steve's thing like one of the things he put it on his list and bucky's like what and and zemo like un, you know no one asked his opinion he just butts in he's like well sam's right you know it speaks very highly of the african-american it speaks very truly of the african-american experience or whatever like that and sam just like cuts eyes at him he's like He's out of line, but he but he's right. (laughs) And just I love that. Yeah. Yeah. To where Zemo's just so comfortable to just join in the conversation. Um cracks me up. Um 
Yeah. So I, I know there's some other things that we haven't really talked about. Like I know we haven't really talked about Sharon Carter or uh, the Dora Milaje or um, others. Uh, is there anybody else you, you want to dive into? I mean, it's, it's a surprisingly wide cast of characters for such a condensed series. Uh, I'll give a couple of quick takes. I, I think kind of on, on both those. Um, I think, I think maybe you and I talked about Sharon Carter with like, not gosh, you know, we liked that character in the the previous Captain America movies. And so then you kind of hate to see that go that direction with corrupting her as the power broker. Mm. Also, also like I I kept waiting. Part of me was like, is there going to be a double swerve here? Because it seems like they haven't even really tried to hide that. That right, much, that it's going to be her. Yeah. Um, well, initially, I, I just butt in and I'll let you take take back over. Like when they first meet her, she's living in the rich part of Madripoor, and I'm like, well, if this place is a dump for right. villains and stuff, like, how do you have all this money? Yeah. 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 Well, and like the at just the the lady um, is a. I think I think the lady they met was about to tell them who the power broker was, and then she got sniped and then Sharon's like outside helping them with a sniper gun or something to that effect. I mean, it's just like, it it was like a children's movie or something of like, Oh, we've got to like make the clues pretty heavy handed for, you know, the, the four year olds to get it. It was just, it was, it was weird. I kept waiting clues on the winter soldier. (laughs) Right. Um, it was weird. I was waiting for something else, but you know, I mean, it makes sense in a way in terms of what's happened to her and, I just try to relate it back to the real world in terms of like how much I've seen people change over the last several years and they have not (laughs) done it under the circuit. And they weren't even near Sharon Carter's circumstances of betrayal, you know, by our country or anything like that. So, um, I, I kind of hated it because I liked the character and you don't like to see a character that you like, turn um bad or you know sort of at least very very gray area with lots of uh suspect moral decisions um but which is a shame because she's the one who gives that eulogy in civil war about being the tree planted in the water and stuff which is anyway yeah oh yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah that makes it worse yeah i mean technically those words belonged to peggy uh, when she said it, but nevertheless, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Dora Milaje, uh, I loved every moment oh, they were on camera. Um, so satisfying. And I was really happy too, that, you know, it could have been easy and I would have loved this too, if they had brought Okoye into the show instead of, um, forgive me, I, I didn't. I wasn't looking at the actress's name who plays uh, Ao, but um, but I'm actually really glad that they chose to bring Ao Florence Kasumba, um, as the actress's name. I'm really glad they brought her because she's the first Dora Milaje we ever meet in Civil War. She was T'Challa's bodyguard, um, the one who told Scarlett Johansson, "Move or you will be moved." Um, <laughs> and so it's a nice bit of Civil War synergy to have her the one be the one who comes back out outside of Wakanda again for a mission. And, um, there was, um, uh, loved seeing them beat up, uh, Walker. 
um, like like he was nothing. Um, so so satisfying, and seeing seeing Walker sell that too, realizing that they're not even super soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of my favorite actually maybe my most co- favorite comedic line is uh sam and bucky just standing on the sidelines watching walker get beat up yeah. and um and sam's yes. like don't you think we should help them and <laughs> help them or do so- don't you think we should do something bucky says looking strong john yeah. <laughs> i love that's maybe my favorite one too yeah. yes uh so oh, good that was perfect <laughs> um but those, but they were not to be trifled with in any way. I mean, they did that sort of. Um, I saw a great meme that they did the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right uh, code to Bucky's arm, you know, and and knocked it <laughs> off. And and um, anyway, I just love that they are, um, you know, to use the old wrestling term, they're being made to look strong still. Like yeah. they they are not to be trifled with, and they still carried every bit of character like they it it wasn't just seeing um it it, it was like they stepped out of black panther out of the film into mm-hmm. this series it wasn't like you know because the first time we see them especially see ao and stuff we're still getting we're first being introduced to Ch- t'challa and ao and everything and so you know you you get basically you get the Russo's interpretation of those characters, you know, but it's almost like, it's almost like they brought in Coogler, R- Ryan Coogler to be like, okay, we're using Wakandans. Like, I don't know that th- there was just a sense of legitimacy to how they, like, it, it felt like they came straight out of the black Panther film instead of civil war again. Um, so it was cool to see them play off that way. And then lastly, in relation to Wakanda, um, again, brief, but so impactful was the flashback of AO finally sort of completing Bucky's rehabilitation. Yeah. And Sebastian Stan, man, uh, his, he didn't even really even say a word in yeah. that scene. Um, and when she just told him, you're, you're free now, because he didn't respond to the, to the programming or whatever anymore. It was just a, just a beautiful moment. Um, just really really well done, really well executed. And, um, so yeah, when this, when this show brings moments like that, it's, it's among some of the best stuff I've, I've seen. Um, th- there's, you know, and we, we have talked about it. There's a, there's a few things that I uh, would have liked to seen a little bit better, but the, but the good stuff is among the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, Sam's, Sam's upgrade, coming from Wakanda I thought was a nice touch yeah because that tells me two things one you can you can be safe to assume that there's some level of vibranium woven into that suit to protect him since Mm -hmm. he's not a super soldier definitely the wings I would Mm -hmm. think and that he has the shield and that suit is this sort of nonverbal affirmation from Wakanda that we approve of you using this shield that really belongs to us, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause there's never, there's never any precedent to suggest that that vibranium was ever allowed to leave, <laughs> uh, right. Wakanda that, that built that shield. Um, and so I, I, in that fight, you know, I loved that moment where AO, I think it's AO that picks up the shield along with the spear. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> 
there we go. Um, <laughs> just a just a great visual. Um, and it was but, a, it was a great flip back to, you know, how Cap dispersed a whole elevator full of guys, you know, and and then flipped the shield up is like this yes. triumphant moment after it was done. So it was sort of the reverse for John Walker of getting humiliated by people who don't even have superpowers. And then they just casually flip the, the shield up to themselves. Could have taken it with them, but they're like, oh, okay, we'll yeah. let you have it back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and it really did. Like I was like, oh, man, I, I completely like they, they 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 constructed a good scene here for like really selling his humiliation there. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Their action sequences were top notch. I mean, it was oh. great. Mm hmm. From beginning to end, but but especially, I, in my opinion, where they where they shine the most were the hand to hand combat scenes. I think were so satisfying. Like that scene, and then you know the episode or two later where Bucky and Sam finally like we're gonna take that shield if you don't give it to us. Yeah. Oh man. I'll, that was that was my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite part of the series. I mean, as much as I loved Sam showing up at the end uh, in the costume. That fight might might have been my favorite part of the series. Um, the, the one thing I didn't like from it was uh, like in Winter Soldier, and there's lots of memes on the internet about basically how how powerful how powerful the boss character is when you fight him versus <laughs> how weak they are when you unlock them as a playable character. Yes, and it's sort of that because you know in Winter Soldier. Bucky catches the shield thrown by Cap. Bucky catches it one-handed with ease and and throws it. And this is this is after a moment where Cap, you know, he's just seen um, Nick Fury get shot, catches it with ease. And then, of course, when Bucky's on the other side and Bucky's a good guy, and then they've got to build Walker up more to be the villain. He throws the shield, like throws Bucky across this warehouse. The impact throws him across this warehouse into a forklift. I'm like, no, you can't. I know you got to make him look strong, but you can't make him look like he's stronger than Steve Rogers on this. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, a great, a great show obviously worth checking out um if for some reason you haven't at this point um i do believe uh, at the time of this recording there's still one more episode by the time this comes out it should already be out i think they'll have the assembled series um where they do the behind the scenes and making of like they did for wandavision I believe they'll have one for falcon and winter soldier um after a after this episode airs, it should already be up as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing seeing that. I'm curious if they actually just flat out expose like, hey, we had to work on the fly because of COVID or anything. I wonder if they talk about it at all. That would be really interesting to see how much they go into additional features of that. Um, any any lingering takes or thoughts uh, on on this series before we wrap it up tonight? I think that's it. I'm just bummed we weren't able to work uh, Fast and Furious into this somehow. That's my only disappointment. I kept trying to t keep myself from saying Paul Walker when I said John oh, Walker. Oh, the time. Yeah. Um, which is about as close as it got. And which is strange because family is such a heavy element of this show. Um, 
seeing, I, I will say this, seeing uh, t- a couple more small things that really aren't deep, deep things, but I enjoyed. Um, every time Bucky flirted with Sam's sister oh, yeah, um, yeah. was incredible. And then um, honestly, as the, the emotional weight of the show, it was really nice to see those sort of community scenes um, where Sam's neighborhood was getting together and just having... I mean, it was like watching scenes out of Medea's family reunion or something, which sounds like an insult, but not really. I mean, like the this sort of heartwarming communion of family and neighborhood getting together, and and you know, it, it could have been out of a Tyler Perry movie. No, just all the the warmth and unity that was going on. Um, and then lastly, this is uh, <clears throat> this is not substantiated by me, but I heard someone else say it, so I'm curious if it's true. But at the end. They show like these photographs of like, you know, the family all standing together and uh, just candid shots and stuff because they have this, you know, cookout that, that happens uh, in the last few seasons, uh, seasons, uh, the last few scenes of the last episode. And allegedly, in every photo that Sam's in, he's on their left. Nice. Um, which is just some, yeah, cool. some chef's kiss thinking um if if that is true um i'd have to go back and see it myself to to validate it but it's a it's a nice thought even if it's not true yeah um yeah just um i think for me i yeah obviously there was a lot of stuff i i loved from this series i i loved um sam becoming cap in the end i was I was a little bit worried. I didn't know exactly how they were going to do it. And I was, I was always worried that somehow it was going to come across with Sam not having powers of like Captain America light or something, you know, like not in the same way that John Walker did. Um, but that it just wasn't quite going to measure up. But, you know, I think, I think the way they did it, it feels like, just a modern update of cap like yeah like steve rogers would have been the guy that you would have had in 1940 and sam wilson would be representative of you know the average american in 2021 um you know the costume looked great um he's got different strengths and weaknesses with the tech um so he almost feels like he almost feels to me like you know how Marvel had like the Mar um, in the comic books, which actually just got one of those pops that that you told me about uh, the Spider Man twenty ninety nine oh yeah sort, sort of thing. Sam as as Captain America almost feels like Future Cap or something, mm. you know, um, to me. But uh, so I like that part, and then I, I I loved all the stuff with Bucky. Bucky's one of my favorite um, characters from the whole MCU. I guess he's now. And I actually, I haven't verified this, but I'm just running it through my head because I saw a thing where um, Paul Bettany is the longest running actor in the MCU now because well, of he's, Jarvis. Yeah. But, yeah. but he was playing Jarvis, who's you know a part of Vision, but he's not really Vision. So I guess Sebastian Stan as Bucky would be the longest running character in the MCU now, right? Or am I forgetting anybody? I mean, let's see. Because Cap came out. Didn't Cap come out as the... Because I would have said Natasha would have been next, but, you know, that happened. Um, <laughs> well, but she but she came in... in she came in Iron in Man. Iron Man 2. Yeah, and, and Which, Bucky, 
Bucky was in the first cap, right? Which wasn't yeah, that. Yeah, but I think Iron Man 2 came out before uh, Cap 1. We had two Iron Man movies before the Avengers. So I think Iron Man 2 was the third MCU movie before, like, we had Iron Man 1, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, and then Cap. Gotcha. Um, so very close. And, I mean, technically, I think the mantle would be his. Yeah. Um, now that she's technically dead, uh, yeah. mostly dead, not all dead. <laughs> she says a movie came out. Um, I was trying to find the quote from the last episode. There was one little thing where, like, I can't remember if it was one of the senators or if it maybe it was a law enforcement officer or somebody, but like as Sam was getting ready to leave uh, and like, you know, there's like, you know, what if uh, I, I wish I could remember the exchange, but it was something to the effect of like, you know, um, what if we need you again or something? Or he said, or, you know, what if this happens and he just, you know, or can we count on you again? Can we count on you in the future or something? And he just says anytime, um, which is just, you know, the, the base level of of who Cap is, you know, can do this all day. You know, it's yeah. it's not he's not he's not too proud to provide help where help is needed. And I think that's and that is the through line of who Cap is. I mean, that was the basis of his philosophy in Civil War is wanting to be able to provide help when he decided he thought he needed to do it um, and not answering, you not being owned by someone else to be determined when he when he could or could not help somebody and um and that's and that's who sam is too and so um i really love that despite all the conflicts and all the murky waters and all the really tough conversations that had to be had that it still came back around to to sam's conversation with steven in game where he just looks at him holding the shield saying i'll I'll try my best and Mm -hmm. steve says that's why it's yours Um, because that's all it really, that's all it really, but it's oversimplifying obviously, um, because there's fighting involved, but you know, like that is, that is the heart of, of what it is, um, is, is him putting, putting his all into it, putting his best into it. Um, but yeah, uh, Tim, any, any other lingering takes for you? I might've had one or two, but they're not coming to me right now, but Oh, oh, I will say, I will say one, one legit surprise, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like, I, I, oh yeah, I, I'm, yeah. you know, she was Corey. I mean, it's just one of those, I mean, I know eventually every person who acts is going to end up in the Marvel <laughs> universe. Like it, it's just only a matter of time, but just every once in a while, those are those like surprises. Like, oh, I would, I wouldn't have pictured her being in it, but I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. So that was, a, that was a neat little surprise. I feel like others, other twist like in the power broker with you know carter like i feel like i could kind of see it coming like jared said but that one was a legitimate like i just mm-hmm. didn't know that would be her i was a it was just a fun sort of oh hey okay that's that's interesting so we'll, we'll see where it goes but that was a that was just kind of a fun reveal um i'm interested yeah, yeah. i'm interested to see where it goes i guess i shouldn't be too skeptical because i mean i've never seen her act really like evil mm-hmm. but i i not really seen katherine hahn do that either yeah. Um, and we just got done with one of the most glorious characters we've had in a while, <laughs> uh, with her. So I, you know, I, I, it, I, I still have my trust in, in pretty much all of Marvel's decision-making right now because yeah. um, they've, they've let yet to lay an egg 
uh, you know, in, in this, uh, this universe. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, there, there are a couple of little things I wanted to point out. Uh, well, one, a couple of funny ones and then a couple of maybe, maybe poignant ones. Um, I read somewhere and I didn't get a chance to circle back to this, to, to flesh it out or see more about it. But there's that scene where Bucky and Sam are, um, working on the boat and, um, Bucky uses his regular hand to, uh, (gasps) fix, you know, something. And, and Sam asked him like, well, why didn't, why didn't you, you know, use the metal arm? That would have, you wouldn't probably even have needed the wrench or whatever. And uh, he's like, well, I, you know, I'm right-handed. I just, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't think about it. Um, and so I, I read somewhere, and this would probably be easy to Google, and I just, I forgot to, but, but that was sort of like a, um, an, an analogy for, a subtle analogy for, like, white, white privilege. Um, Mm. or maybe not white privilege exactly, but something to that effect of, of how, you know, in a right-handed, in in a world made for right-handed people, you don't think about, you know, having things that are, you know, oriented more towards you. It's just, you know, and you don't think of that as privilege. You just think of that as just, that's the way it is or whatever. And, um, Mm. so I, I don't know if, um, I don't know for sure that that was intended with that, but I think it seemed to me the way after reading that and then the way it was sort of delivered, um, I thought, okay, yeah, that's maybe I can see that there. That might, that might've been sort of the, the intention with it. Um, just something subtle like that. I also thought it would have been funny. Like, you know, we had all this buildup of, of Bucky, uh, asking for like one more favor. I thought it would have been funny if, you know, it turns out Bucky's really stupid and he doesn't even think to get the wings for Sam. He just asked for like a new boat from the <laughs> <laughs> oh. and it, in, in the SNL skits that, uh, run through my mind. That one was, uh, that one was one of them. So, um, but yeah, as a new iPod with more yeah. game music on it. <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, um, I think the last thing for me was just, uh, you know, I think I mentioned, uh, or I've talked about before, like I, I was so satisfied with the way Endgame wrapped up to basically give Steve Rogers his happy ending because, you know, the, the poor guy, he's a guy out of time and he, he lost <laughs> all these years of his life. And well, he didn't really, he didn't exactly lose the years of his life, but he lost, um, all the people, you know, that were connected to it. Um, but really Bucky has, has, has had it so much worse. Steve got to sleep through all that. And whereas Bucky has been, you know, continually revived to murder people and he has the guilt of all that. Um, so, you know, as much as this was really, you know, more Sam's story of becoming captain America, um, you know, I, I equally enjoyed, even though we didn't get, some scenes and things fleshed out as much as I wanted, you know, to sort of get him at the end as sort of like the fun uncle showing up to the barbecue yes. with, with the Oreo cake and, you know, kids hanging off of his arm and all that. Can I say I'm really glad he didn't show up with potato salad? <laughs> It's just a little, a little subtle joke there. But uh, no, no, I'm totally with you on that. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I will- 
That's all I, I got. I will say, I don't know if we're supposed to be led to believe this, but, you know, before he comes down and shows up with Sam's family, you know, he's leaving the city. Um, and he stops by that Chinese restaurant where he had had that blind date. Well, not blind date, but he had had that date with a girl. Um, and he sees the old man sitting there. And, and I felt like it was almost too subtle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but I guess we're led to believe that he is able to carry on with his life now in that moment because he goes goes out to eat by himself. I, I, I don't I don't really know. And I'm not trying to be funny, but like I just I mean, I, I get that they were probably trying to communicate that to the audience somehow. But again, I right. just wish it was just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 was what I took from it, but it was it was very vague and and subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I suppose that'll do it. We've really kind of run the, run the timetable. We have talked for a third of the series length itself, um, <laughs> talking about the episode. So I appreciate everybody joining us this week for buddy caps, um, strap in and enjoy, uh, what's bound to be a highly entertaining conversation next episode where we enter I can't even remember what it's called, the outer realm or at the outworld or whatever for outworld. Outworld for Mortal Kombat. Uh, get your techno music ready, and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw up a few combos on that movie next week. So, so uh, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be juggle combo with finishing moves and yeah, yeah. <laughs> there may be a fatality or two. We'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) See what they serve us up. So please join us for that next week. Uh, So until next time, you guys keep working on your night cheese. I'm just bummed we weren't able to work uh, Fast and Furious into this somehow. That's my only disappointment.